afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us alongside Pauly Sibilia. I'm Stephen Fontes. We welcome you into a Tuesday edition of Orange Nation, back from the 4th of July holiday. Hope everyone had a great extended weekend. We're back at it today. We've got four guests lined up for you. We've got Joe Girard set to join us momentarily. We've got Mike Waters from Syracuse.com and the Post Standard set to join us at 1230. We've got my former colleague at News Channel 9, now works at CBS 58 in Milwaukee, Darius Joshua, set to come on at 1 o'clock as we preview Game 1 of the NBA Finals tonight. And we've got our good friend Dan Duva, play-by-play man for the Vegas Golden Knights, set to join us at 1.30 to talk about the Stanley Cup Finals, uh, which is extended. Uh, Game 4 last night going to Montreal in overtime, so that series extended, heading back to Tampa with the Lightning up 3-1. Plus, we'll mix in your phone calls at 315-437-7644. How was your weekend, Paul? Good. Long, boring, and alone, just like the rest of my life. Uh, Welcome back. It's been a minute since you and I have been together. About a week, right? The, The people in the Twitch chat are probably clamoring to have the professional back as they refer to you when I'm not here. We've got a lot to get to on the show today. I actually have a story from over the weekend that I want to share. Uh, But first things first, let's go to our guest line. Let's not waste any time. Let's bring on our first guest today. As I just mentioned, Joe Girard joining us uh, to start the show. Joe, always great to have you on. First of all, thanks for coming on. Uh, How's your summer been? What what, what are you up to these days? Uh, Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, The summer so far, uh, you know, between uh, classes and workouts and all that stuff, that's what we've been doing pretty much. You know, all day, every day up in Syracuse. Um, we actually had this week off, though, uh, as you're only allowed a certain amount of weeks or days or whatever it is in the summer to work out with the coaches. So other than the school and the uh, the workouts, it's been a lot of golf, um, and that's pretty much it. Those three things is what it, it pretty much revolves around. <laughs> Last couple of days have been really nice. Did you get out on the course? Did you anything, do anything fun over the 4th of July holiday? I did, yeah. I'm back home, so uh, I've been golfing here at home at uh Country clubs around here, and then I also go up to Lake George. I was on the boat yesterday, nice uh, with some friends and family. So it's been it's been a few uh, fun couple of days. Excellent, excellent. All right. Well, when you get back to the grind, uh, give us an idea of what a normal day is like over the summer for you and your teammates. You said mm-hmm. you know taking classes, working out. What's a normal day for you uh, from a from a workout perspective, from a basketball perspective over the summer? Okay, yeah. Uh, so in the morning, uh, I'd say I'll give you my schedule. I, I, me and uh, a few of the guards or whatever go in and work out with uh, Coach GMAC from 10 to 11. And then from 11 to 12, you go in the weight room, you lift. Um, and then anything after that, you do, uh, you know, with the trainers, Brad Pike or any of those guys, you go into the training room and, you know, get recovery or stuff like that, whatever you need for however, however long. And then uh, depending on when you have class or if it's an asynchronous class online, you do that for the rest of the day or whenever you're uh, available for it. So uh, pretty much the workouts are getting done and over with out of the way in the morning. And uh, recently since, you know, last year we couldn't have any recruits. We've had, I, I believe it was like six or seven recruits come to campus, and we've uh, been hosting them and, you know, been hanging out with those guys. So uh, it's been pretty busy, I'd say, the summer so far. But I'd say in the morning is when the workouts happen and then in the afternoon and, uh the evening is when you do your schoolwork and, uh, you know, if you want to go golf or something, hang out with friends, stuff like that is when that happens. 
So, so it is really a full-time job. I mean, being a student athlete, uh, especially at the Division One level, it's a full-time job. And and with that in mind, Joe, one of the reasons we wanted to have you on, and we wanted to talk about the, the name, image, and likeness and the fact that uh, college athletes can now benefit uh, from that. And I know that you know you and Buddy are already out there uh, partnering with the players' trunk. Um, can you tell us, I guess, from a, from a player's perspective, how this whole thing came together? Um, you know, did you have to go out and seek opportunities? Where, you know, how were they brought to you? How did this thing with the players' trunk come about? Yeah, so the players' trunk specifically, uh, that was founded by, so my freshman year, one of our head managers, Hunter Pomerantz, he actually, after he graduated, him and his brother had created the players' trunk. And originally it was for former college athletes who wanted to sell their game-worn gear, or uh, the exclusive gear that you get every year from you know your team or whatever brand it is uh, from your college, and then obviously with the NIL passing, um, they had the great idea to you know make make um, gear for players in college and make stuff like that so that you can partner with them. And uh, so I had already known them. I was great friends with them. He was a great manager my freshman year or whatever. So we had known them prior. And uh, about a few days before the whole thing actually passed, you know, people were already. You know, rumored to know that it was going to be passing or whatever. So they came up with the idea of all that, and then uh, whenever it passed, they were ready to you know, come out with it and uh, you know, obviously talk over the contract and all that kind of stuff and work out all the details of it. But they were they were ready to get going right right from the get go. You know, this is a, a topic that that we've been talking about for years. You know, I feel like on sports radio or my job at Channel Nine. I mean, this is a, a topic that that for years we've been debating. Uh, I'm curious to get the, the the athletes' perspective on this. What are your thoughts on the NIL? And um, you know, I'd, I'd imagine you know you guys have to be pretty happy as players that you can finally, after all these years, benefit off your name, image, and likeness. But from your perspective, what's your take on it? Yeah, uh, obviously, I think it's a great thing. Um, I wasn't you know too focused on it. You know, obviously, we're all here to play, and I think that the main thing is. Uh, Coach Bayhamson saying is, yeah, this is all great and all, but you guys still got to stay focused on the main goal, which is become a better basketball player and better basketball team, which is true. Uh, but I know, for, so I can speak for you know me and for many people that you're we're really glad that it's passed. Um, it's something that's you know, like you said, been in the talks for a long time. I'm pretty sure it was supposed to be passed even last summer, and then it didn't happen, obviously. But it was whatever. Um, but I think it's great. Uh, a lot of times, you know, it feels like. I can speak for other people. They think that it's like being used, you know, when their name's being thrown around and stuff like that, um, and they're not really getting profit from it. But now it's all changing, and, you know, it works out better, I think, for both parties, both the NCAA and the athletes. So I just think um, it'll be overall a better thing for all all, all, all parties. Joe, you mentioned that Coach Beheim said you got to be a, a, a team, first of all. How, how is the team looking with the new guys? How is everybody getting along? And how is everybody meshing with the new guys coming in? It's been really good. And, uh, you know, we went to summer session one. I think this is honestly my uh, this is my first summer, first summer session. I remember my freshman year I was only able to go to the second summer session because I was still in high school. And then last year, obviously, we didn't have many, any of it because of COVID. And now uh, we all went to the first session this year, and I think it was really good that they made us all go. As you said, we have a lot of new guys, but they're all fitting in well. Um, they're all you know veterans other than, obviously, Benny, the only freshman. But the other transfers are all veterans and have been through college before, so it wasn't much of a transition for them. And uh, they all work hard. Even Benny's working hard and are all buying into the system already. So we've already meshed. We all like each other. We all hang out all the time. And uh, this team's going to be really good. 
Joe Girard joining us here for another few minutes uh, on Orange Nation. You, you mentioned a, a moment ago there, Joe, that, that you're all meshing. And that's one thing that, you know, Paulie and I have talked quite a bit about with this team and, and this roster is that it seems like chemistry is going to be off the charts. You know, you and, and Buddy and now Jimmy coming in and you guys know Samir. And um, and it, it seems like there's there's some built-in chemistry. You know, would you agree with that? And, and I guess to, to follow up on that, how important is good chemistry when it comes to, you know, to playing Division One college basketball? Yeah, I 100% agree. Uh, like you said, we we all know each other. We've all known each other. Even, you know, playing uh, AAU. I remember playing Cole probably eight times in my AAU career when he was on BABC and we were all on the City Rock. So we've known all those guys, and uh, we've known each other for a really long time now. And uh, it's really easy to, you know, mesh with people who want to work harder, who want to get better. And I think that's the difference with this year's team is that everybody here has the same goal in mind and has to become a better, you know, basketball player and better basketball team. So I think that's going to help us really in the long run. And uh, even last year, as people saw at the end of March, we all started clicking. And uh, that's when we were at our best. So we're really looking forward to this coming year. I know that, um, you know, there's a lot of doubters even after, you know, we went to the Sweet 16. So we're really looking forward to getting back out there and getting ready to prove a lot of people wrong. You say you got to prove people wrong. What's the one thing that Joe Girard has to improve most this upcoming season? Just being a leader and being ready to go in all aspects of the game, uh, keeping it, keeping your mind positive and all that kind of stuff, and just helping lead a team and uh, just get the W whenever it's whenever it's needed. You know, just to follow up on that question from Paulie, you know, you have, uh, you know, you've been a star since uh, the eighth grade and maybe even before that. I mean, you know, you kind of came on the scene for us in in the eighth grade, ninth grade, and you've been a star ever since. Um, you know, last year you had some ups and downs. Wait, what? What did you learn about yourself uh, last season, and, and how do you think it makes you better moving forward? Uh, just that you can get through anything. I mean, obviously, COVID was a tough year for everybody. Um, you know, I took it a little bit worse or better than some people. So, I mean, it was different for everyone. But uh, I'd say you can just get through anything. I'll keep moving forward and, you know, just stick to the process and trust the plan because it all worked out for me in March. And uh, that's pretty much what you know, got my mind wrapped around again. And, uh, Help me move forward into the off season and attack it, and uh, be looking forward to the upcoming season. You know, you you uh, you certainly turned it on in March. You know, Buddy turned it on the last month or so of the season. You guys went on a little bit of a run. Um, mm-hmm. How how does the momentum from that run, or or does the momentum from that run carry over into off season workouts? And I mean, does does that carry over from one season to the next, or or are the years just completely separate? No, I think it absolutely does. Even after the season, uh, you know, me and Buddy were the only ones left for a while. We were working out with Jerry every day. And you could just tell that the vibes were kind of even different than what it was even two, three months before that. So I think it definitely does. Um, It's put us in a place to where uh, we see all these people starting to say that we're not going to be very good again next year. And we just came off a Sweet 16 run. So we we, we remember what happened. We remember what's said. And uh, we just, you know, are really happy and looking forward to the opportunity that we have next year with the team that we have because we know we're going to be really well, really good. You know, you, you, along those lines, you know, Jeff Goodman just put out his, you know, preseason top 25 today. Syracuse is not listed. Mm-hmm. I mean, are those the kind of yeah. things that, I mean, do you guys use that as, as motivation and, um, you know, trying to prove people wrong? Yeah, we absolutely do. But, uh, I mean, yeah, rankings are rankings and then, uh, you see, we see what happens at the end of the year, and that's when it really matters. And I mean, right now we're still in July, so we still got a lot of time to improve, a lot of time to work on things, and uh, get better. So, things right now don't really mean much to us, but it's where we're going to be at the end of the season is what we're really focused on. 
last one from me. I know Paulie's got a last question for you as well. But you know, when you say we we think we're going to be really good next year, what are you most excited about uh, with the roster that you have and, and the team that you have going into next season? There's a lot of pieces that you know fit the puzzle, and uh, you know we got a lot of shooters. Whether it's you know from a guards perspective, a wings perspective, forwards perspective, and sometimes even you know big men, we had a lot of shooters and a lot of the opportunities to space the floor. Um, you know, Benny's been playing. He's really athletic. So we got a lot of athletic guys as well who can who get to the cup and make plays. So I'm really looking for, and we're all veterans. Like I said, Benny's really the only you know younger guy. He uh, is the only freshman. So, but he's buying in. He's listening to everybody and working hard. But the rest of the guys have already been through college basketball and uh, already know like what it takes to win here at this level. So I think we all kind of, like I said, we're bought into a, you know we know what we want, we know what we want to do, we know where we want to go, and uh, we're all working hard for it. So that's what's really going to you know save us and uh, help us get through the year. All right, Joe. Before we let you go, you were talking golf earlier. Got to ask you before you go: <laughs> Tom Tom Brady and Phil Mickelson or yeah. uh, Aaron Rodgers and Bryson DeChambeau? Who are you rooting for? I'm going for Tom Brady and uh, Phil Mickelson. Just uh, I watched Phil when he won that uh, the uh, tournament a few months back uh, and set the record for being the oldest PGA Tour winner. And uh, I'm more of a Tom Brady fan than Aaron Rodgers. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Paulie, did you watch that tournament when Phil? Uh, yeah, yeah, I happen to have. Yeah, I happen to have watched it. I put a couple bucks on it. Paulie won some money on that. Joe, real quick before we let you go, just let everybody know how they can get their hands on you know the merchandise that you've got out and Buddy's got out with the with the players' trunk. Yeah, so you just go to playerstrunk.com and then uh, in the in the search bar you search either Joe Gerard or Buddy Bayheim and uh, our lockers is what they call it will pop up or you can find us on Cameo right now as well for uh, any videos or special shout outs that you want from us and uh, some stuff will be coming out in the works pretty soon too. Well, very cool. It is, a, it is a new era of, of college athletics. Uh, Joe, thanks so much for coming on and, and sharing a, a few minutes with us. Uh, enjoy your time at home and uh, best of luck throughout the summer and I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Yes, sir. Thanks, guys. Speak soon. All right. There he is, uh, Joe Girard. And with that, we'll open up the phone lines, 315-437-7644. Got to take a quick time out here. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. This is Orange Nation. Oh, Paperboy. You remember this song, I do. I do. Might as well listen to it for a little bit while we're waiting to get Mike Waters on. <laughs> I updated our rejoin for the for the summer. So I I am encouraged with the whole positive K situation. That, yes, that. Jordan uh, did a parody song of "I Got a Man" by Positive K, and Positive K somehow saw it and put two uh, laughing face emojis next to it on Instagram. So our chances of booking him have increased. Yes. I told Jordan that if he did not get positive K on our show, he was fired. <laughs> Does he have a time limit? Not, no, just, just so, a couple. Just like, he's got, like, it should be the rest of the summer. If a famous person likes a parody song you did of his song, and I'm using famous loosely, <laughs> uh, you should uh, you should book him. Like, if... Like if Positive K laughs at you, there like he's dying for attention. Right, he's down. You know, he wants to come on. Like when LL Cool J laughed at my tweet, not a chance we were booking him because he's got better things to do. I'm just naturally funny. 
Let's give him the end of the summer. Because then uh, once end of the summer, yeah. Because once the fall starts, we're not gonna we're, we're not gonna want like to talk to week. positive K. He's anymore. got like a week. Well, he's off this week, so you got to give him at least uh, give him next weeks. week. Next week, end of rest next of the week. month, rest end of, of July. next week. All right, let's bring on our good friend Mike Waters. <laughs> he doesn't want to hear us argue about positive K. Do you even know who positive K is, Mike? Yeah, that's when Mike Shashevsky's in a good mood, right? <laughs> well played. Um, so, obviously, we're having you on to talk some college basketball. We had Joe Girard on at the start of the show. Um, Jeff Goodman released his you know, way-too-early preseason top 25 projections. I, I saw you uh, tweeted them out today, and, and then you, you put in a little comment as well that you know Syracuse not listed, but once you start getting around you know, 20, to 25, a lot of those teams, you know, feel on par with where the orange is. Um, you think it's realistic yeah. that that Syracuse could be, you know, a, a top 25 team at some point next season? You think that's realistic? Yeah, I think it's a possibility. Uh, you know, the problem is is that they're going to be a they're not a young team next year, but they're going to be new. Uh, you know, they lost a lot of guys through the transfer portal. They brought out a lot of guys in that are going to have to play significant roles through the portals. Well, they got Benny Williams and the schedule is really difficult right from the jump. So how will they play coming, coming out of the blocks there? Um, it's not one of those schedules where you, you had one or two D de- you know, tough early games and the rest, uh, you're, you're, so, you know, like are pretty easy. And you know, that at the end of 12 games, worst case scenario, you're 10 and two, um, they're going to get tested, but, they could elevate themselves right into the top 25. Uh, Chris Dorch is a friend of mine, and he's the editor of the Blue Ribbon uh, Basketball Yearbook. And I know you guys probably are very well aware of Blue Ribbon. You know, they're basically the Bible of college basketball uh, preview magazines anymore. It's not even a magazine. It's a book. Um, He called me up about a week ago, and he said, "I, I want you to give me an honest opinion you know, look at these three teams, you know, would you have Syracuse ahead of them or two of them or wherever? Because he, he was down to his last couple spots in his top 25. So whether he has Syracuse at 23, 24, 25, or even 26, you know, a guy like Chris Dorch at Blue Ribbon, he's looking at Syracuse um, real objectively and he's got them in and around that area going in the next season. And he's usually pretty on the ball. So, yeah, I, I think they're right there. Yeah, when I was looking at those top 25, like I said on Twitter, I didn't really expect to see Syracuse in the top 25, you know, because we focus on everybody they've lost. But then when I looked at, like, numbers 21, 23, I'm like, well, geez, those teams got issues as well. You know, they're not that much different than Syracuse. And uh, so I could easily see Syracuse appearing in some people's preseason top 25s and, and then jumping right in if they get off to a good start. If they go to the Bahamas and win a couple games, they don't even have to win the whole tournament. But they get two nice wins down there. Um, yeah, they could be top 25 right, right early on in the season. Yeah, I mean, you look at Auburn 23rd, they lost five guys. Virginia 25th, yeah. they lost five guys. Um, you, you mentioned the schedule there a moment ago, uh, Mike, and I, I wanted to get your thoughts on that because it is kind of a catch-22, right? Because it's it's tough, which you know opens the door to more quad one and quad two opportunities. It, it can help you beef up your resume. Um, but the flip side of that is you better go out and win some of them because, you know, if not, you might be piling up some some early season losses before you even get into the, the ACC conference slate. Yeah, I wrote about that about a week or two ago. 
looking at Syracuse's whole schedule and comparing it to last year, and obviously last year's schedule was shortened because of COVID. Syracuse last year did not get any quad one games at home or even on a neutral court until going to the ACC tournament. So while they had about seven or eight quad one games, they're all on the road. No wonder they were one in seven in those games. It's by definition hard to beat a quad one team on the road. So they didn't get any of those opportunities at quote unquote winnable quad one games. This coming season, they're going to have plenty and not just with ACC games. I mean, those games in the Bahamas, those are all neutral court games. Probably two or three of them are quad one. Uh, so, yeah, they, they have a good chance at games like that. They're, they're going to go and they're going to play a really tough Villanova team. But they're not doing it on the road. They're going to the Garden. Uh, you know, it, it, it gives them more of a shot at beating a team like Villanova. And, and we'll see. You know, they got to go down to Georgetown. I don't know how good Georgetown's going to be, but it's going to be a worth a lot more in terms of what quadrant it's in playing the Hoyas on the road versus getting them up here at the Dome. You know, Mike, you look at the newcomers, uh, Samir, uh, Jimmy Bayheim, Cole Swider, Benny Williams. Who do you think is going to have the biggest impact on the team next year? And I feel like Benny is the obvious answer, so maybe you know, eliminate him. But of the other three, who do you think has the biggest impact um, on next year's team? Cole Swider. I'm going to go with, with the Villanova transfer. And I was, I, I was about leaning towards him even before you took Benny okay. out of the equation. So um, then, yeah. Well, I think Benny's really important because he has a chance to be the kind of player that nobody else on the roster can be. You know, athletic, um, you know, a guy who can do a lot of things for you offensively uh, with his athleticism. He helps you on defense. But going back to Cole, I think Cole coming in at six foot nine and a guy who's just an elite three point shooter uh, can change the way Syracuse looks offensively. Um, you look at the forwards last year, especially towards the end of the season, while we all loved Quincy, in ACC games last year, he shot 23% from three point range. So it's all well and good that Quincy wants to show himself to NBA scouts that he's a more perimeter guy and he wants the ball and he wants to shoot threes. Let him go do it in Oregon. 23% from the field is a far cry from 41%, which is what Cole Swider was. So I think it completely changes the look and the shape of next year's team. Um, you know, and Cole's deficiencies, which were on the defensive end of the floor at Villanova, I don't think they show up at Syracuse. I, I, he'll play the zone at his height and, you know, with his experience in the college game, I think he'll be just fine in the back line of the zone. And they're not going to ask him to do what Villanova did, which was switch on every screen 20 feet from the basket and end up on a six foot three guard who's going to take him off the dribble. <laughs> it's just not going to happen here. So I think. Cole could make a real difference with this team. So, to, to follow up on that, uh, do you think Jimmy Beheim is coming off the bench then? You think Cole's going to be in the starting lineup? And I, I, Again, I realize we're several months away and a lot can happen <laughs> between now and then. It's pure speculation, but does your gut tell you Cole's a starter? My gut tells me Cole's a starter. I, I think with his experience and his shooting ability, I think the question at the other forward spot is... is is either Jimmy Bayheim or Benny Williams. And I think largely it depends on where Jimmy's at 
after a year of inactivity. You know, he didn't play for Cornell last year. Cornell didn't play. Um, and also, how ready is Benny? You know, because some freshmen come in and it's like, you know, okay, you're rated 20, 25th in your class, maybe 30th. But, you know, sometimes those freshmen aren't quite ready to go right off the bat. Other times, you get a kid that comes in that was rated 55th, but they're ready to go. Um, and you can look at Syracuse history and see guys that are on different ends of that spectrum. Sometimes they you know, forget the rankings. So I don't really know where Benny's going to be next October or November when Jim Beheim is making his decision on who's going to his starter's going to be. You know, I don't know if you heard the top of the show, Mike. I did want to ask you about the name, image, and likeness stuff. We had Joe Girard on, and it's um, you know, it's something we've obviously been talking about for years, and now this thing finally happens. But it's it is different. It's going to take some getting used to. You know, I, I pull up the website and seeing like Joe's picture on a jersey with JG three, or you know, Buddy's picture on a jersey with Buddy buckets. Um, what's what's your take on this whole thing and um you know Paulie and I were talking about you know if you're a starter on the Syracuse basketball team you you can make a, a nice chunk of change um what what's your take on this whole thing and 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 how it's going to help uh, you know especially you know starters here at, at Syracuse well it, it's a big change and, and and it's happening all 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 of a sudden here um you know overnight last week all of a sudden you know we're waking up to guys announcing deals you know change is often uncomfortable and um you know people are going to have to get used to it and some people are afraid of it and some people want to you know say the sky is falling but at the same time i remember back in march and early april and I went, I saw in a few local stores, I saw shirts that said Buddy Buckets on them. Some shirts just had buckets. Others went so far as to say Buddy Buckets. And that's just something wrong with that. You know, that people are, you know, we, we, for years we were used to like seeing the, the, the jerseys in area stores and the SU bookstore that have a number on it. And it's always interesting how, you know, one year that number is 15 because Carmelo Anthony happens to be a freshman. But then the next year, the 15s are gone, and it's number three for Jerry McNamara. And, and those are two, just two of the big. You go to 2009, and, and the jersey in there was 10 because of Johnny Flynn. Following year, uh, 10 wasn't in the bookstore anymore. But even though they didn't have their names on it, we all knew what people were buying. They were buying the player's jersey with his number on it. And the Buddy Buckets thing just really drove that home. And I got to tell you, I had a problem with it. it, it it's the, as the conversation has gone along over years, and you saw Buddy Bucket shirts in stores, and you know Buddy Bayheim is not receiving a penny. It's, there's just wrong. It had to change, and while it's going to be a little uncomfortable, I know there's going to be some bumps in the road. I know some schools are probably going to take advantage of this, but you know what? Schools and coaches and some boosters in the head around the they've taken advantage of NCAA rules for a long, long time. So while that'll happen. You know, I think it gets addressed in the long run. Uh, but I think these changes had to come. And, you know, good for guys like Buddy Beheim who can now make a make a buck off themselves. You know, what? You know, and Buddy Beheim probably doesn't need to make the buck off himself. But um, it was still wrong that other people were. You know, they were profiting off a player's name, image, and likeness. And, you know, when you think about all the players over Syracuse history, they could have you know, put a little money in their pockets. And maybe in some cases, it might have convinced them to stick around an extra year or two rather than go into a very uncertain draft position. 
you know, maybe you decide to come back and go, you know what? Rather than be an undrafted free agent or set late second round draft pick, I'll go back to Syracuse and, you know, who knows how much money I can make. Maybe I make between twenty five and fifty thousand dollars next year. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so you know, you, you know, maybe it helps the college game and keeps a few guys around an extra year. Yeah, I said I said that about Tyus. Yeah, I think Tyus would have been a perfect example of somebody that may have come back and may have tried to you know make a run and becoming the all time leading scorer in program history and you know get get paid and, and make some money in the process. Uh, might have, might have encouraged him to stay. Um, do you think that becomes part of the? The recruiting pitch, Mike, um, you know, moving forward that guys come and, you know, here's the Mellow Center, here's the Carrier Dome, you know, here's Newhouse, and, you know, here's what we can do from you, you know, for you from a name, image, and likeness standpoint? If it doesn't become part of your recruiting pitch, you're losing the recruiting battle because yeah. other schools are definitely going to do it. Uh, a lot of schools are out in front of this. Uh, they've launched programs. They're going to develop curriculums. Uh, if not an entire curriculum, at least have some classes within a curriculum to help athletes market themselves, know what they're doing. Uh, you know, here's how you design your brand. Uh, here's how you market yourself. Um, you know, here's what to look for in the business world. What works and what doesn't. Uh, you know, is, is Instagram really the answer? You know, <laughs> sports business 201. Uh, you know, the... And I could definitely see Syracuse doing this as well, and I know they are. Uh, You know, I don't know if they're at uh, full speed on it yet, but I know that the coaches are already talking to recruits about, hey, you know what, thirty to thirty-five thousand people, you know, come to watch our games. That's a lot of Instagram followers. That's a lot of people who care uh, about Syracuse basketball, and you know you. You you play up here, they're going to care about you. And you know, eventually, when guys like Buddy Beheim and Joe Girard have some actual numbers come in, do you think the coaches aren't going to show the next round of recruits? You know how much those guys were able to to make off their name, image, and likeness? Absolutely. But here's the thing: other schools are doing it too. I've been asked by a lot of fans: Do you think Syracuse gets an advantage? Maybe in a few cases, maybe you could convince a hometown kid, listen, you've already, you're well-known here. Why not be here? Look what, it, look, look what it's doing for an area kid like Buddy. Uh, look what it's doing for just a regional-ish type kid like Joe. Um, you know, what, what might a Simeer Torrance, you know, who we think is probably going to come off the bench next year, but he's a local kid. If he's playing, you kid, I think a guy like Simeer could, could benefit more by playing at Syracuse than he would some other school, especially in, in the role that he's going to fill. Because, uh, like you guys and, and I both know, we talked to uh, Simeer many times. He's a very engaging young guy. Um, if I'm a local company, I definitely would like to partner with Simeer. Um, so, yeah, they're going to use this to their advantage. But, you know, it's, I don't know if it really gives them a huge leg up over anybody else because all the other schools, if they're smart, they're going to be doing the same thing. Hey, Mike, I wanted to ask you, you're familiar with the Triangle area. And Duke and North Carolina are national brands. They're going to... You may be able to get national gigs. Do you think it'll affect the local branding of the NIL with those schools being so close that maybe you don't want, you know, you don't want to polarize your customer base by putting a Duke (laughs) kid on your thing or, you know what I'm saying? 
I, it, can, I, I guarantee you this, knowing the triangle the way I do, if you're a local car dealership and you go with a Duke kid, you are shooting yourself in the foot. Um, because, you know, Duke's the private school down there. I mean, when I was back in college at North Carolina, the joke was, you know, we, we didn't call Duke Duke. We called him the University of New Jersey Durham. Uh, uh, so, you know. Uh, no, there'll be a lot of local businesses that would probably prefer to go with the North Carolina and the North Carolina State kids. But that said, listen, it's because Duke. of Duke being it's Duke, it's like if there's a Zion Williamson out there, yeah, he's still going to get plenty of opportunities. And, and and the Duke kids are also gotten probably maybe instead of like the local car dealership or the, or the local uh, restaurant or whatever, their deals might be more national. You might go for like the player's trunk, which Buddy Beheim and Joe Girard are already, already working with. You you go with you know a, a brand of a sneaker or the the, the shower shoes, slides, uh, sun, whatever it is. Um, believe me, they'll Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett and those guys are going to be able to market themselves at Duke. Whatever the whenever those guys come along next. The only thing is. But the, now what's going to hold back some of those college guys that are going to the Dukes and the Kentuckys and the Kansases is if they're one and done, they're really not around those college areas long enough to be worth, to me, a local business signing them on. If they're only there for about four or five, six months, maybe, I think it's the guys like Tyus Battle. Uh, who stick around three or four years and develop a little bit more loyalty and a following that locally anyway, they're going to see more success with, with NIL. Um, you know, same with a buddy Beheim going into his fourth year up here. I mean, the, the one and done guys, um, you know, really, if you're a local businessman, you know, who, who you're really going to go with, um, do you go with the junior or senior? at Duke or Carolina, or do you get the hotshot young kid who's going to be there and gone? I, that's an interesting question, and, and it might, might depend on, on the various businesses that are involved. Um, so we'll see. Oh, I want to switch topics with the last question here, Mike. Stick with the ACC. Jeff Goodman only had uh, four teams from the ACC in his top 25, and the story last year was Syracuse needed to take advantage of it because the ACC is not going to be down again. It appears that Jeff Goodman thinks they're going to be down again. Where do you think Syracuse falls amongst the ACC schools going into the year? I think Duke's got a ton of talent. So I think they're up there head and shoulders above everybody. Beyond that, you know, whereas in the past few years, I would have said, like, you know, Syracuse is right outside the top four. You know, they're there somewhere between five and eight. I think this year the the discussion switches and – I think Syracuse is right there between two and eight. I, I think the, the the window is open for a lot of teams uh, to to elevate themselves, and that includes the North Carolinas, the Virginias, the Florida States, Syracuse, Louisville. Um, you know, we'll see. I, but yeah, I don't know if the ACC is going to have a year exactly like last year. I, I don't think it's going to be where it was the three four years ago when it, when the ACC had a lot of power teams. Um, cause I don't see where those other power teams are, but so among those next teams that are trying to be good, I, you know, I think Syracuse could, is, could be right there, you know, looking at like a second, third or fourth place finish. And, and that's where you want to gun for, because 
you know, you, no matter where the ACC is, up or down or whatever, but if you have a top four finish in the league, uh, then you're headed into the NCAA tournament in good in good shape with a decent seed. Yeah, great stuff, Mike. Uh, as always, looking forward to the to the season ahead, and there will be uh, full capacity inside the dome, as we found out uh, last week. So, great stuff. Um, hope you had a, a, an enjoyable fourth, and and I'm sure we'll catch up again soon. Yeah, it's good talking to you guys as always. And and next time I'll do my TED talk on how Gonzaga will win a national title. There you go. And you can break down typing classes with actual typewriters. <laughs> <laughs> Price, you didn't bring that up, <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Appreciate you coming on. See you, uh, Do you change your mind now? Now that now that Mike Waters disagrees no. with your Gonzaga take? No, no? nobody okay. switches Polly's mind. All right, I'm right always. All right, until Gonzaga wins it next year, that might switch it. All right, we got to take our final time out here in hour number one. Our good friend Darius Joshua is set to join us at the top of hour number two as we break down game one of the NBA Finals. We're back after this on ESPN Radio.